Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode 12. Once again, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that are searching for a new podcast to listen to to come across this one. And then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this is your first episode or if you've been listening since episode one, be sure to let people know about the podcast. After last week's episode, I started, I went back to listen to a few parts and I started to think about the things that went on during that episode, how far I have come throughout the first 11 weeks of me being a podcaster. And I started to write a few things down and think in my head, what have I learned? I mean, over, if you do anything over a length of time, uh, consistently. Now, this is just 11 weeks of podcasting. This is the first time that I have done any form of talking like this. Um, so this is all new to me. Now, granted, when earlier when I was younger, I did things in church. But when you were in church, there's an audience in front of you. You're um, reading from the Bible. You're you're teaching things that you have heard over and over and over and over again. So it's a little bit different when you're in the church setting because you're able to feed off the congregation. If you're in a children's class, which I have done quite a bit as well, you're able to uh, play games with the kids or get them laughing, get them moving around. Um, it's a lot different than when you're in your apartment talking into a microphone by yourself when all you have is your microphone, your computer, and your notes right in front of you. It's completely different. Well, some things that I have learned about podcasting through the first 11 weeks, um, one, write literally everything down. Yes, I said right because I, as a 31-year-old man, when I when it comes to my notes for the for every single episode, they are handwritten. I could go back and type everything out, but I know for some reason I'm more that old-school guy. I like to write things down. I literally write stats down, write records down. Um, I write things that are quotes in articles that I could go back in my computer and read those quotes verbatim if I'm using them in the show. No, I write everything down. Well, one thing I learned that I'm learning write the date down don't try to remember the date write the date down let's say april 4th well if i say if i read april 4th before the podcast start then when the podcast comes on i say april 14th that's different than april 4th well if it's tuesday april 4th if that's the event the day of the event that's going on and i say well friday april 4th that's completely different a lot of people they will say oh they will associate the day of the day of the week with the date. They say, oh, on that day, that's what's going to happen. Well, if I say Friday and it's Tuesday, then I'm missing out on something. So I'm literally teaching myself and reminding myself, write everything down because my memory is not as sharp as it used to be. Also, I, since I started podcasting, I've learned and I've pushed myself to read a lot more. Now, I'm not even going to the regular avenue that I did when I was younger of going to ESPN.com, going through their articles, seeing what Chris, well, back in the day it was Chris Broussard, um, but seeing what the different um, writers wrote about the uh, about different topics. They say something is going on or they had a special project. No, 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 no. I'm going through literally different avenues. Now, we're going to talk about an article that was in GQ recently. I've never read anything in GQ in my life up until this week because they did, a, uh, they did an article about an individual that we're going to talk about in a little bit. 
Just, uh, I think it was last week, I talked about an article in the in Cleveland.com. Now, these are different, these are just different websites. I've never went to them before, but when I hear that they're doing things that may be of interest to me for content throughout the show, I'm saying, hey, I'm going to start reading. So I force myself to read a lot more than I have. I've also learned to be open-minded because you never know if the way you perceive an individual, a team, a player, a coach, a GM, whatever it may be, you never know if the way that you're perceiving somebody is right because the way you perceive them is always going to be how they're portrayed in the media. Now, granted, you may have a closer relationship or have inside scoop on certain people um, by based off uh, different people in your life or people, or people that you've come in contact with throughout your life. Um, but most people like myself, we don't have the, oh, say the inside scoop on the way that let me think Tom Brady uh, operates from the time he wakes up till the time he goes to sleep or the way he, what he does to have fun. We don't have those, the ability to have that. So the, so therefore we have to be open-minded. And when we start reading different things about these players, maybe the way that we viewed them is different than the way they actually are. Then also I've also learned that um, I have, you have to be, use your voice to keep the listener interested. Now, I'm learning as I go as well. I was listening to the Dan Docker show here in Indianapolis, this maybe a few weeks ago, and he was and he had I believe three interns, two were guys, one was a female, and they were interviewing a guy um the ESPN writer that that, that the ESPN beat writer for the Colts. And they were going around uh one, two, three, one, two, three. Everybody had their chance to to say, ask a question to Mike Wells. And one thing that Dan Dockett said is that dead space in radio is bad. Really, really bad. Now you can't use it for dramatic uh, purposes to lure someone in or make them think about something. Yes, I get that. But it's completely different than what you think. Um, if you have a dead space of two or three seconds, that's the chance where you can lose your listener. You can lose the person that you're listening to that's, that you're trying to uh, get their attention to say, hey, uh, I have something to say, but if you're trying to use it for dramatic purposes, there are times that a, a dead space for too long is really, really bad. There are times that if you start going and you talk way too fast as I am known to do, that's really bad as well. But I've learned that dead space, there's, uh, if you have too much dead space or dead space at all, it's really, really bad. The one thing I enjoy when listening to, to radio shows as I do quite a bit is that when there's a co-host and an interviewer, they pick up like really quick. They know exactly when one person going to stop talking, then they pick up and keep keep the conversation going. There's no dead space at all. So these are just a few things that I've learned literally through 11 weeks of, of being a podcaster. Um, I'm still learning as I go, trust me, over the next 11 weeks or over the next few years that I'm not planning on stopping anytime soon. I'm going to learn a lot more things about myself, um, a lot more things about um, how to cover things or how to uh, approach a topic so that I'm not coming. I'm not being uh, closed-minded. Say I'm coming from one angle or the other. Uh, I'm learning. I'm going to continue to learn because you can never stop learning. There are always things for you to learn, not just about yourself, but the field that you're in. Um, let's go ahead and take a trip to Cleveland, Ohio, because Odell Beckham was interviewed by GQ, and there were some things in an article that, well, they made me view him in a different way than I had before.
Mark Anthony Green of GQ recently did an interview with Odell Beckham, and it started to change and started to shift how I viewed Odell Beckham, OBJ as most people call him. Um, myself, and before I get too deep into the interview and what went on with that and how Odell was viewed in a different light by lots of people, um, different than what he already has been. Um, I viewed Odell as a very selfish player, a selfish teammate, um, a, a teammate that was all about him. If he didn't get the ball, he was going to be uh, pouting on the sidelines. Um, he was going to be complaining, letting everyone know that he deserves the ball. Now, I say that and I understand. At that position, if you're not getting the ball, you feel like you're not wanted. You feel You feel left out. I completely get it. I mean, the whole point of being a receiver is you want to catch balls, you want to catch touchdowns, you want to get yards. I mean, I I completely understand that. And with Odell being one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, we kind of expect a certain type of behavior from someone that has that label as being one of the best receivers in the league. Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, um, so many players are known for being mouthy for letting people know, especially the quarterback, uh, Chris Carter, if the ball's not in my hands, if I'm open, hey, I'm open on that play. What you doing, man? Get, get me the ball. I mean, there's so many things that these type of repl- these type of players say to the quarterback, which is expected because that's their position. If you ain't getting the ball, you're not getting productive, you ain't going to get paid. That's just the nature of the beast. So in the first line, I ended up reading the interview, um, not getting the audio version because I like to, I wanted to read and, and kind of hi- highlight a few things. Um, but Odell, the first line of this, it says Odell Beckham Jr. has a new team, a new city, a new car. Well, I think the one thing that he left out was a new quarterback because you cannot try to alleviate or go away from the fact that Baker Mayfield meshes better personality-wise with Odell than OBJ and Eli Manning do. I mean, it's just the nature. I mean, that's that's, uh, that's just the way it is. Baker and Odell are closer in age, so they can relate in ways that Eli and Odell Beckham can't. Um, They're both uh, more into uh, the hip-hop age or the millennial age, as where Eli may fit that age bracket. Eli is still more your uh, nerdy type, um, he's more, he is a Manning. So the Mannings are looked at in a different light than other quarterbacks are. He is in that, that, uh, rare air of Archie Payton and Eli, uh, would have been Cooper as well, but Cooper had an unfortunate injury that, uh, made him stop, literally made him stop his high, his, his football career before he, without even getting a chance to get into the NFL. But throughout this article, um, Mark Anthony Green started to pull some different things out of Odell. Um, different questions, different things about his personality. Um, one thing that was alarming to me was that there was one point during Odell's career that he contemplated retiring. Before the age of 24, he went and he was and, and he was he, he was thinking to himself, "Would I be okay if football was over? If football, if I didn't, if I weren't able to play football anymore, would I be okay?" You think why would this man that is so talented, that has looked at and that is so popular, that has kids copying his haircut and trying to copy his style why would he think to hang it up and and uh, and and put the pads away put the cleats away put everything away 
he got too much and too involved into the political side of the of football in the NFL instead of just having it wasn't the it wasn't just a game anymore. It wasn't just about him having fun playing the game that he has loved since he was a kid. It began to be very very political, and Odell viewed football different than he ever thought he would. And I think that happens to a lot of players. You see so many players nowadays that can't handle the pressure, can't handle the demands, not just from the media, but can't handle the demands from family, from friends, people they haven't talked to in years. As soon as they find out you have money, they want to be your best friend. They want to get put their hand in your pocket, take out more than what they told you they were going to take out, and then run the opposite way. And so Odell had all these people pulling him from one way or another. Odell's constantly hurt. Will he ever be able to play 16 games consistently without getting injured and be able to play 16 games at a high level? Well, we have seen Odell play get hurt and then come back and play at a high level. The first time we saw Odell Beckham, uh, his rookie year, he got hurt, hurt his hamstring, missed four games, came back, played the rest, played the, the rest of the season, played 12 games, and was rookie of the year. That was one thing he had always dreamed of doing as being at the top. He wanted to be at the top of uh, top of uh, of the league or top of whatever field he was playing in in college. He wanted to win Heisman, didn't do that in college. He wanted to get to, he wanted to win a national championship, didn't do that. When the NFL, what's the first thing you can do? Be rookie of the year. Even before you get to the Super Bowl, you're going to find out if you're going to be Rookie of the Year or not. So Odell said, hey, okay, cool, this is great. Rookie of the Year, I'm doing this, uh, I'm being viewed, people are starting to like me, I'm, be, I'm, I'm beginning to make, make a name for myself. During his rookie year, he made the catch. He made that catch that was uh, in primetime Sunday night football, Cowboys versus the Giants. And even though the Giants lost that game, Odell made a name for himself with that one catch. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go on YouTube, type in Odell Beckham Jr., type in the catch, you'll find it. You'll, 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 trust me, you'll find it. You'll see how, how blessed this man is with his athletic ability that God gave him. And he, and he, that he even speaks of himself. He like this, the God given, the God given ability that I have, uh, it's, it's not that, not to be taken for granted. Um, Mark Anthony Green also talks about not just the political side of how that's affected Odell. He talks about how Odell is a crazy athlete. You put Odell Beckham in front of anything. He has good football, foot football, good foot, foot, foot work um, with a soccer ball. Um, he could jump like an like a like he plays in the NBA. He could he could he, some say he could be a professional basketball player. I don't know. I haven't seen him play that much, but some say that. Some say he could be. He, some say he he's a he could be a pro golfer. This man is extremely blessed. He, he has talents that most people don't have. But I think the one thing that most people, that you may be most alarmed about, he took a shot at, oh, maybe we'll say a, take a shot, but uh, at the Giants. And they're talking about how he didn't feel respected, didn't feel uh, loved. He talked about how he had, he's always going to have love for the Giants. He's always going to have love for their fans. But he did make this comment about um, the Giants and how he was viewed as a player and what he felt like he was when it came to being an, an, a, a, a top player in the league. He made, he, he made this comment, and I quote, we were getting primetime games, being the Giants, still as a 5-11 team. Why? Because people want to see the show. You want to see me play. That's just real rap. I'm sitting here like it's because of me, but let's be real. And that's where my first thought of Odell Beckham was 
Odell saying, I am that guy. I am the reason you turning in to this game. You're the re I'm the reason why the Giants are still relevant um, or people are still talking about them. Well, even before Odell Beckham Jr. came into the NFL, before he was born, you may want to say, they were still viewed as the New York, New York football Giants, that team that went to four straight Super Bowls. Didn't win one, but they still went to four straight Super Bowls, a feat that I can't remember the last team that went to four straight. Remember if they won or lost, going to four straight is a is a feat in and of itself. But you have a guy that um, it's me, 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 fitting that mantra and that mold of a wide receiver, and he feels that he himself was bigger than the team. And I still think if you got Cowboys versus Giants, even though Eli Manning has been a Oh, probably had the worst stretch of his career over the past four or five years since winning at last Super Bowl over the Patriots. I still think Cowboys, Giants, if you get Manning, Eli Manning versus Dak Prescott, or even last year, you get Eli Manning and Saquon Barkley, eyeballs are going to tune in. I don't think that they're tuning in because of Odell Beckham Jr., Yes, I, I do think there are eyeballs that are view that are going to be. Let me rephrase that. I think there are going to be eyeballs that are going to be tuned into no matter what Odell does. I do think there will probably be a lot of eyeballs that tuned in to the Giants because of who the Giants are as a franchise. And I still think that the Giants, even though they have been less and they have been worse of a team, they probably still would have gotten some primetime games because they are the New York Football Giants. But Odell Beckham really opened up in this article, really opened up to, to be very vulnerable and talk about how football wasn't that wasn't fun anymore. He feels, I mean, it was fun. We saw him pouting on the sidelines. I think this, when things didn't go his way, we saw him hitting the kicking net. We saw all the antics. He saw uh, Odell being very, very emotional. But we have all been in places where we have not had a lot of fun, where the th where, it, where it's our job, where it's uh, our home life, or a relationship we've been in. We have all been at times, been had times in our life where things were not very fun for us. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. If things are not fun, if we're not having a fun time somewhere, nine times out of ten, it's going to affect our attitude, our countenance. It's going to affect everything about us because we're not having fun. So if you're putting yourself in Odell Beckham's shoes, 21 years old, 21 to 24, you got this young kid coming out of LSU that that played in a crazy college town, played for a good team, didn't win the they didn't win the Natty, but they played for a good team. Uh, coming in with a first round pick, going to the going to the New York Football Giants, playing with the Manning. Even though he got hurt, hurt his hamstring his rookie year, came out and balled, became rookie of the year, became a household name very, very quickly. Oh my goodness, how would you feel? You got millions in the bank. You're one of the top, top players at your position. Then all of a sudden, you've got people coming at your way. You're, you got media members um, saying things about you that are not true. How would you feel? Would you be having this, the amount of fun you would if everything was going great? No, not at all. Why? Because it's a lot for a young person to take in um, money, fame, media, all that stuff that goes into it. It's a lot to take in as an individual. In Odell Beckham, we saw, we saw him. We're seeing him grow up right before our eyes. Uh, I expect big things from Odell this year, from Baker this year. I, I'm not really on the hype train of the Browns, but I do think that Odell Beckham paired with Baker Mayfield will, will, will be a great tandem. They'll be fun to watch. I do believe that. 
You want to see high scoring? You want to see two players having fun on the field that are young, that are uh, one has a great arm, one is able to catch and run basically any route you throw go his way. Um, it's going to be a fun time. But Odell Beckham um, also he talked about one thing. I'm going to close with his goal. He thought about maybe playing. Oh, let's say a 14 year career when he was asked if if excuse me, Mark Anthony Green, the guy, the interviewer. Ask him about, um, oh, how do you view yourself 10 years down the league, down down the road? Do you still see yourself in the league at that point? Odell Beckham said, well, I kind of see myself being out of the league. He's like, oh, really? Like the interviewer wasn't expecting his 10-year 10 10 year mark to be to be spot on. But Odell's, Odell's like, yeah, I see myself playing probably 10 more years or until I pass Jerry. Jerry Rice said it is at 23,000 receiving yards. I don't know if he'll be able to get it <laughs> in 10 more years as that is a crazy, crazy, crazy feat to think about that one man had 23,000 receiving yards. But if you're putting your heights, if you're putting your eyes on the prize, a Super Bowl, um, a Super Bowl win, uh, you want to be MVP, you want to be the best receiver, at, 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 you want to be the best receiver in the league. If you want to beat the best, if you want to beat Jerry Rice, hey, Odell, you can do it. But I do think you have to change your approach, change your uh, the way your people view you. You want to change your approach to every single game. Why? Because you doing that, you'll have a lot more fun. And more fun means a lot better time on the field. It could, could produce more yards, more stats. And you could, not saying it's going to happen, but you could be the guy to surpass Jerry Rice with the most receiving yards. Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, recently came out with a possible schedule change for the Pac-12 football schedule that may come as early as this season. It's not the scheduled weeks or the the the, the teams that they will play or cannot play or when they have to play their rival or things of that nature. No, 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 nothing like that. Larry Scott is possibly talking about having a couple Pac-12 games played at 9 a.m. locally, 12 Eastern. Why, you ask? Well, he made this comment in regards to this very idea of having a couple Pac-12 games played at 9 a.m. locally. There's a lot of frustration from fans in certain markets to the late-night kicks. I'm in that I'm in that, in that. that camp. I'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, I, I go back. I'd like to see one or two games this season that are 12 noon kicks beat Pac-12 games. And see what markets might respond positively to that. Yes, me and myself, as a fan, uh, as someone that lives on the Eastern and Eastern Standard Time, I like games that are played but that start at twelve and that end right after that eight o'clock kick. Now, granted, there are some times that the eight o'clock kick, as college football games, can go four hours long, three and a half to four hours long, but due to commercials. Um, due to the play clock, due to how long halftime is. There are times that college football games are four hours long. But if you go to college football games, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That is true. Four-hour games is long, very, very long. And there are times that after that late primetime game on ABC or Fox, Pac-12 After Dark comes on. And Pac-12 After Dark, it's a great marketing tool just like Maction on Thursday nights on ESPN it's great for marketing it's great for to get eyeballs in 
What is Pac-12 after dark? What's going on? Who's playing tonight? And it's a great hashtag. It's a great this. It's a great way for you for you to tell your friends, hey man, Pac-12 after dark, be there. I'm gonna be playing so and so at this time. Yeah, it's great for all that. But the application for most of for those fans like myself that live in that time zone, and if you go to bed before midnight, like so many people do. You're not going to watch the entire Pac-12 game. There's a good chance that after the first after the first quarter, you're going to be knocked out, cold, just just gone. You had a long day, a busy Saturday. You may have you may have done things with your kids that your kids may have had a f- football games or sporting events or things of that nature. You may have had different things you had to, you had to get into. You get home to watch football Saturday night at 7 30, 8 o'clock, whatever the time may be, whatever game it is you want to watch. Then all of a sudden you're tired, you want to go to sleep. Well, you go to sleep with the Pac-12 game on your TV. 11, 11 30, your eyes close, you go to sleep, and then you're missing the rest of the game. And Larry Scott knows that. How does he know that? He hears he hears people talk about it. He sees the ratings. I mean, he knows exactly what's going on. He hears so much um, fan frustration from the time of their games. He's like, well, what can we do to change this? What can we do to change how our conference is viewed and get more eyeballs on the, on the television screens to watch Pac-12 games? Moving games to 9 a.m. and the thought and the and the um, the idea is great, a good idea. Move, get more eyeballs earlier. Now the thing, the hiccup that I possibly see with it, how is it going to affect the players' routine? How is it going to affect the coaches' routine? Um, how is it going to affect the fan commute to games? How is it going to affect? The tailgating experience. I mean, there's so many avenues and ways this is going to affect so many people. Larry Scott, when talking about this very thing, he said, well, this is going to help the players. This is going to help the players drastically because because of uh, instead of getting home at 3 a.m., they're getting home at 5 p.m. So instead of getting home in the middle of the night <laughs> where those people are knocked out, you're getting home at 5 p.m., you can elect to either watch more football, you can elect to just chill out and hang out with the boys. You can elect to, hey, let's go out at let's go out tonight and ha- and ha- have a party or have a party and hang out with some more friends. I mean, you there's so many different things that can help um with the having a game at 5 p.m. for the having the players go home at 5 p.m. versus 3 a.m. Yes, that's great. He's looking looking out for the players. That's a great way to make changes for your league. But I think for the fans, the tailgating experience, so many different changes that go on with that. There may be some issues with that. I think one positive, one huge positive that will affect media, that will affect um, uh, voting with major awards is the Heisman voting. A few years ago, I think it was 2015, the 2015 Heisman race, um, that came down to the finalists of Deshaun Watson, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey. And all season, I did not, I didn't watch many Stanford games. I had heard about Christian McCaffrey. Um, my, my way of keeping up with what he did throughout the season was watching his stats every single week. Joe Clatt uh, of Fox had a podcast, and I was listen, listening to that every single week. And Joe Clatt over and over and over repeatedly said and talked about how, how much disrespect Christian McCaffrey was getting. Not, not 
on purpose disrespect, but how much disrespect Christopher McCaffrey was getting because people weren't talking about his name in the Heisman race. And if you went back to look at his numbers and you went back to compare him versus everyone else and to see how prolific he was on the field and how crazy of an athlete he is, he was a more well-rounded, all-around player than Derrick Henry was that season. Christian McCaffrey was a better running back, running the football. Uh, well, excuse me, let me take that back. Derrick Henry was a probably a better runner of the football, but Christian McCaffrey could run the football at a high level. He was a better pass catcher out of the backfield um, than Derrick Henry. Uh, he was a better returner than Derrick Henry. I believe that year, Christian McCaffrey set the single-season all-purpose record um, at, um, that year with 3,496 yards um, that year, all-purpose yards. Derrick Henry couldn't come close to why? Because we only know Derrick Henry for doing what? Running the football. You hand the ball off to him, he goes. I mean, that year alone, Derrick Henry had 395 carries. Not touches, carries. He had a little over 400 touches, but 395 carries. That's insane. Christian McCaffrey ended up having 337, but ultimately had more touches than Derrick Henry because he played and he was a more, uh, he was a bigger fit for his off for his offense, and he fit better with what uh, he was a bigger threat offensively than Derrick Henry was for Alabama. But Christian McCaffrey, even up in, even up until the time when the voting was taking place for the for Heisman, Christian McCaffrey got hurt because. A lot of people turned in their votes, and their votes had to be turned in prior to Christian McCaffrey's last regular season game. Now imagine if Stanford that year had games played earlier in earlier in the day. It didn't have the later games in the day. If they had games earlier in the day, and those people that had the chance of watching Derrick Henry every single week or almost every week on CBS could turn on 12 o'clock and say, well, ha, we got Christian McCaffrey coming on. We got a Stanford, a Stanford game. We got an Alabama game. And then later that evening, we had a Clemson game. Think if they literally had that kind of lineup. You got Stanford, Alabama. You got Clemson. You got the, the Heisman finalists back to back to back. And imagine that. I, I think in my mind, Larry Scott's thinking, well, I got, I got one player in Christian McCaffrey, who should be a Heisman candidate, who probably should have won that year, but because of the time of his games and because of the East Coast bias that not just fans, but many, many media player, media members uh, have, he kind of got slandered. He kind of got looked at, looked at in a different light than he would have if he if his games were played earlier in the day. So I think Larry Scott has a lot on his plate. A couple of coaches that are on board with this move: Chip Kelly of UCLA and Justin Wilcox of Cal. I wouldn't be surprised if those were the first uh, couple matchups that were going to be taking place to have this 9 a.m. shift um, to kick off on Saturday morning. 12 noon on East, at Eastern time. Oh, imagine that. Uh, game day's almost over. Reese Davis is winding things down right before Kirk, Lee Corso, Desmond Howard are making the predictions throughout the day with their guest picker. And all of a sudden you get pop-ins of a, of a game at Stanford or, or you get pop-ins of a game at Oregon State. 
Or you get pop-in pop of a game at Cal where the players are getting ready. The players are warming up. The players are, are getting hyped for the game coming up. And you get to see them get a pop-in instead of your traditional Big Ten, SEC, ACC, the things that we're so used to. Imagine more Pac-12 uh, awareness, more eyeballs on the Pac-12. I do see, and I would like to see that. I'd like to see a change. I would love to see Pac-12 games not always being played at night and playing more throughout the day so that people like myself can watch those games because, like I said, many people go to sleep earlier uh, don't, are not up late. Don't want to stay up till one, two in the morning to watch a game. Um, you want to, you want to get it. You want to watch it throughout the throughout the window that you're normally up throughout every single day of every single week. Um, but if this change going to goes into effect or some type of change to change the Pac-12 schedule to get more eyeballs on their games, I am here for such a change. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that are searching for a new podcast to listen to to come across this one. And then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this is your first episode or if you've been listening since episode one, be sure to let people know about the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore J25. Once again, that is at DR underscore J-A-Y, the number two and the number five. You can send all emails to jstevenspod at gmail.com. Remember, that is jstevenspod at gmail.com. This was episode 12 of the J. Stevens Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.